Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro bringing you another episode of Monday Madness. This may as well be our 4th of July episode since next Monday we will be off for the holiday. Don't worry, we still have plenty of content to get to you next week, so we'll just be taking a little bit of time off on Monday, and my mom will be in town, so this podcast will have to wait. Otherwise, go Avs! Colorado Avalanche just won the Stanley Cup, and I heard fireworks going off last night in celebration. Always funny that the only legal fireworks in this state are the ones that don't even leave the ground or explode, but folks always seem to find a way around the rules. That's the beauty of America to remember on this 4th. Just because the government told you to do something doesn't mean you exactly have to listen. That was the very basis of this country's inception, so keep questioning the narratives that are fed to you and researching the facts that matter, not just the reactions. But you didn't come here to watch me teeter on the edge of incitement and political revolution. You came for the biggest news and statistics in the world of energy, so let's get to it. Quick disclaimer, this episode is in fact coming out, well, and recorded on a Tuesday, so all information presented will be relevant to Tuesday. The RP team got a little bit busy on Monday, but we knew we had to get this podcast out. You deserve the best content that we can offer, so let's take a look at those commodity prices. It has been a while since we could describe WTI price action as stable, and it looks like that will remain true this week. The end of last week left WTI crude at about 105 bucks per barrel, and this week it's already climbed, and it looks like $120 oil is well within our sights once again. The current price is about $112, but the root issue of diminishing supply has not been addressed. Brent prices have increased much more quickly, meaning the current spread is about $6.5. Natural gas is floating dead in the water at $6.50 due to the LNG explosion from two weeks back. Looks like this won't be really ironed out until much closer to the end of this year, so U.S. natural gas is worth much less than other commodities that can actually reach Europe. Overall, Energy is still ridiculously expensive, and we continue to consume Russian oil. Next up is the rig count. I don't know what happened, but the rig count absolutely popped off. Our newest count is up 13 rigs, bringing us to a total of 753, which is 283 more rigs than we had this time last year. Many basins are on the come up this week. The Permian is leading the pack with four new rigs, and then it's the Canna Woodford and Eagleford, each with three, and the DJ and Granite Wash with one. The only major basin to lose a rig was the Mississippian, who dropped one, leaving it with only one rig remaining. On a state level, Texas is up six, Colorado four, and Louisiana, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Wyoming are up one. Pretty much all of these rigs will be making horizontal hole into oil reservoirs. The Gulf of Mexico saw no change. There's clearly still room to grow. I just hope producers can keep pace and try to maintain production rather than letting it stall out. Lastly, of course, is the inventory report, which came out last week as Rare Petro's Thirsty Thursday. If you didn't catch it, then you missed out on some lovely pina coladas and great data. Here's what you may not have heard. At the time, the EIA had some data delays, so most of our numbers come from the API. They were expecting a drawdown of about 1.5 million barrels. Somehow, they were off by about 7 million barrels as the build was rather significant at 5.6. By the API's data, this is the third largest build of the year. This is likely a result of the increased oil imports as refineries alone were responsible for 33.5 million barrels just last month. That's just the refineries importing. Demand for gasoline is already strong, and President Biden's newest gas tax holiday may actually increase the demand for gasoline in the short term. This just pulls the slingshot even further back so those prices can really launch themselves once that grace period is finished. 
A tax holiday has historically shown that those involved in the supply chain, you know, the middlemen, do find a way to pocket the difference in pricing, resulting in, well, a very small decrease in the price of the good, if it changes at all, before becoming more expensive in the long term. Good thing we also have introduced the loftiest plant burning goals in this country's history. We wouldn't want that gasoline price to go too low now, would we? Fortunately, gasoline prices are taking a bit of a break from running up any higher, but it's still too early to determine whether or not they will be driven down in the coming weeks. Not much has changed in the realm of refining capacity, and the meeting with Energy Secretary Granholm was largely unproductive. Dislit inventories are trending upwards, but very slowly. Propane is wildly close to its inventory levels year over year, but the consistency could be challenged later this winter. It would be easier to talk about this if the EAA data was released, but we'll just have to hold out until the report this week, which I guess is only two days away at this point, so don't miss it out. There you have it, folks. Demand is up, rig count is up, and prices have nowhere to go but up. How's about we get into some of our stories? Our biggest story carries some strong implications, but here are the facts. Iran has applied to join the BRICS group of major emerging economies. Now, if you aren't familiar, BRICS is an acronym encapsulating a group of emerging economies between Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Relations between Russia, India, and China have never been better, and Iran seems to want in on the fun as it's sick of playing by the U.S.'s rules. At present, the group represents 41% of the world's population, accounts for a quarter of the world's GDP, and is responsible for 16% of world trade, despite being responsible for that quarter. It's fair to say that the group has some weight to throw around. So that's where the facts end, and now some speculation begins. I believe China would vouch for Iran, as they are the biggest importer of Iranian oil. Could this allow a better opportunity for Russia to trade with Iran? Probably as if it's not going on already, but yes. Everything about this story seems to just suggest that Iran will be welcomed with open arms. Remember a few months ago when we talked about folks getting sick of US sanctions and aligning with other folks that treat them better? Well, we may see some new markets emerge, and it seems as if China is building the foundation of a yuan-based petro contract. So I'm eager to see how this develops, but my hopes are certainly not high. Next, the head of the IEA says that the uneven transition into green energy is likely going to prop up oil prices for much longer and result in underinvestment in green energy. While more funds are in fact going to green energy projects, it's only a fraction of what would be required to fully replace our conventional energy systems. Until we get to that point, the IEA believes high energy prices will negatively impact more folks. In Africa, the quickly rising costs of food and energy last year took away the access to electricity for 4% of the continent. For reference, that's about 25 million Africans and a decade of progress undone of bringing cheap and abundant energy to the masses. Now that more folks are worried about having enough reliable energy, investment into the energy of yesterday is actually returning. Millions are being dumped into coal mining operations. This means emerging economies have lagged and are seeing zero increase in available green energy systems as they turn back to harvesting coal from open pits and cutting down trees to power stoves and their heating. Because of this, Mr. Byroll of the IEA has encouraged oil and gas companies to use the quote, once in a generation opportunity, end quote, to invest in speeding up the transition. I got a lot of the information for this from the New York Times article and wanted to highlight their last sentence. Quote, at present, such investments account for a mere 5% of oil and gas companies' capital investments, end quote. A mere 5%? 
ExxonMobil's capital investment plan looks to invest about $20 billion annually in the coming years. Is $1 billion towards green energy really referenced as a mere 5%? What of the dozens of other companies worldwide who are investing into similar projects? What about BP, who's investing much more aggressively in becoming an integrated utility company? What about the 500,000 barrels per day of loss refining capacity that's now been re-kitted to process vegetable oil and renewable diesel? These companies are investing lots of mere funds into the projects that the world demands they invest in, and it's resulted in high energy prices. I mean, it's, it's just upsetting to see someone who's supposed to be an energy expert, right? An energy expert director of the IEA witness all of this and call for even more green energy. Remember how a mere 4% of Africans lost access to electricity? That mere 25 million is just the beginning. What country was able to navigate an industrial age with green energy? Here's the answer, none of them. Yet the developed world continues to wag its finger in Africa's face and say, well, I don't care if we emit more per capita, you aren't allowed to make use of this energy. What if instead you build a whole load of unreliable infrastructure and try to support yourselves off of that? It's a selfish take, and it's the very same attitude that is driving Iran closer to Russia and China. The energy transition's likely not going to get any easier. It is frustrating to see energy prices go up so aggressively despite having plenty of oil right under our own feet. This is why we encourage you to follow the Rare Petro team as we continue to perform our own research and draw our own conclusions. We put out new content almost every weekday, so be sure to follow us on LinkedIn as well. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.